if you're taking notes, title your notes, Attack versus Under Attack. Because that's what we're going to talk about today. There are certain times, certain seasons, where you are in attack mode, if you will. Uh, can I get uh, a volunteer up here real quick? <laughs> I'm just kidding. You are, you are in attack mode. You are in spiritual attack mode. You are praying. You are worshiping. You are going to church. And, and you have this overall attitude. That says, hell, this house belongs to the Lord. I belong to the Lord. Everything in my home belongs to the Lord. You can't even come on my front porch. If you live in an apartment, you can't even come on the property. You can't even come inside the gate. You don't know the gate code and you can't come in. Right? There are certain seasons that you are in attack mode. I'm going to talk about that. There's actually two parts to the message. When you're in attack mode, there are four things that are happening, and we're going to unpack them. Number one is how you reason. Number two is how you respond. Number three is how you react. It's actually how you reason, how you react, and then how you respond. And then number four is how you report. All four of those things determine how well you are attacking. But then there are signs that you're not necessarily on attack. You are being attacked. That it is that season where all hell is breaking loose in your life. Where it feels like every demon in hell is ignoring everybody else except for you. Have you ever been there? Now I'm going to talk about that in a very practical sense because like you, I know people that if they get a red light, they think they're being attacked by the devil. <laughs> Do you know people like that? They get a red light, they're in the HEB, they're trying to buy some eggs, they're out of eggs, it's the devil. <laughs> Are you with me? And, and it's just people like that that kind of warp all of um, spirituality when it comes to being under attack. And uh, I just want to encourage you, don't let the knuckleheads um, mess up the truth. The truth of the matter is, is that you do have an enemy that seeks to devour and destroy every single good thing in your life. But everybody's going to get a red light, all right? But we got to figure out, when are we under attack? And so I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes or so unpacking that. Um, and so let's begin to think about this uh, in a very biblical sense. I want you to read when you get home John chapter 9. But for now, I'm going to show you a piece of John chapter 9 via video. Why don't you take a look at this? As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been born blind. Teacher. Whose sin caused him to be born blind? Was it his own or his parents' sin? His blindness has nothing to do with his sins or his parents' sins. He is blind so that God's power might be seen at work in him. As long as it is they, we must keep on doing the work of him who sent me. Night is coming. And no one can work. While I'm in the world, 
I am the light for the world. After he said this, Jesus spat on the ground and made some mud with the spittle. He rubbed the mud on the man's eyes. Go and wash your face in the pool of Siloam. This name means scent. then and the people who had seen him begging before this asked isn't this the man who used to sit and beg he's the one no he isn't he just looks like him i am the man how is it that you can now see the man called jesus made some mud rubbed it on my eyes and told me to go to Siloam and wash my face so i went and as soon as i washed i could see where is he i don't know Then they took to the Pharisees, the man who had been blind. The day that Jesus made the mud and cured him of his blindness was a Sabbath. The Pharisees then asked the man again how he had received his sight. He put some mud on my eyes. I washed my face. And now I can see. The man who did this cannot be from God. He does not obey the Sabbath law. How could a man who is a sinner perform such miracles as these? And there was division among them. You say he cured you of your blindness. Well, what do you say about him? He is a prophet. The Jewish authorities, however, were not willing to believe that he had been blind and could now see until they called his parents. Is this your son? You say that he was born blind. How is it then that he can now see? We know that he is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But we don't know how it is that he is now able to see, nor do we know who cured him of his blindness. Ask him. He is old enough, and he can answer for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities, who had already agreed that anyone who said he believed that Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That is why his parents said, he is old enough, ask him. A second time, they called back the man who had been born blind. Promise before God that you will tell the truth. We know that this man who cured you is a sinner. I do not know if he is a sinner or not. One thing I do know. I was blind. And now I see. Absolutely. 
All right, here's the, here's the first part of the narrative that I'd like to unpack. The, the, the comment that one of the disciples said to Jesus was, who sinned? If this guy's blind, somebody's responsible for this. Who sinned? Who made this happen with their sinful nature? And Jesus replied, no, 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 you've got this completely wrong. This is not because somebody sinned. So point number one is, how do we reason? There are so many things that happen in our life, and we want answers for them. We want to be able to back up and go, what made this happen? Jesus would want you to know that the bad things that happen to you are not necessarily because you did something wrong. This is a very important lesson because how we reason has a lot to do with how effective we are spiritually. If, if God punished us every single time we did something wrong, we would just be getting beat over the head all the time. When God looks down and he sees you doing something wrong, he doesn't say, hey, get the hammer, pound him. That's not how God is. When you say something that you shouldn't say, he doesn't say, off with the head. Jesus is not like that. He doesn't back up and say, you just, we cannot allow our minds to build these thoughts that tell us that it's because of our sinful life that we're having trouble or we're having challenges. We have got to reason properly. Do you know that the enemy, the number one thing that he wants is he wants the way you think. He wants your thoughts. He wants you to think that bad is going to come if you're not perfect. He wants you to imagine certain scenarios that are completely wrong. He wants to run away with your imagination. You know he's running away with your imagination when you're arguing with somebody in your head for hours and hours and hours, and it has arrested your attention, and you're preparing your argument before you see them. Have you ever been in the car with somebody and yelling at them in your head and they're not there? And you're building your case for them, and you're, you're, you're role-playing the discussion, and then when you see them, the conversation doesn't go that way. Right? You had all these things prepared and it doesn't go that way. It ends up going this way. And you, you, you waste all this time, energy, and effort. And Satan is owning those thoughts. I know any time for me personally where I'm entertaining this problem all day long. And I'm talking to somebody in my head all day long. I back up and I think to myself... Satan, I think you're a part of this thing right here. I've got to be careful how I reason. I've got to be careful that I don't allow this reasoning to run away. Where I start saying, well, you know, my wife this, or my dad that, and, and this and that. We've got to see it from a, a positive nature. If it, here's, here's something that we need to remember. Anytime our thoughts are full of fear, full of anxiety, just know this. Satan's behind that. 
Satan is behind everything with fear, everything with anxiety, everything with worry. He is behind that. So when Job backed up, Job lost everything. Job lost his wife. He lost his children. There was only one, there was one part of it, the story of Job where he was getting these boils on his skin that were so bad. He would take a pottery, a piece of pottery and break it on the ground and pick up a piece and just scrape it along his arms and pus would just pop out of his arms. I know it's gross, isn't it? And people would say, why don't you just accept the fact that God is not with you? Why don't you accept that fact? And you know what his response was? His response was this in Job 23 verse 10. But he knows where I am going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure gold. It's the reasoning. I know I am going through hell sideways right now. I know things are tough right now. I don't understand why this is happening. But I am going to make sure that I arrest my reasoning. The way I reason, I'm, I'm going to remember that God is in control. We don't lay down and start reasoning wrong. We back up and say, God is in control. And when I get out of this, I, he's going to make me like pure gold. He's going to make me like pure gold. We can't just back up and say, oh my goodness, I'm going through hell. Now, some people will never admit that bad is happening. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Um, your car is on fire. Your, your, your house is burning down. Blessed and highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. God's on the throne. Okay. Um, are you okay? Are you well? Are you okay? Job was honest. It's okay to be honest. Hey, I'm going through fire right now. Does anyone know what it feels like to go through fire? It, here's how I usually say it. I'll call my dad. He'll go, hey, yo, how are you? He's Italian. He talks like he's crazy. And I'll say, dad... I'm getting my head kicked in over here. I'm getting my tail beat over here. I think every demon in hell is ignoring everybody except for me. I'm getting my can kicked. And he'll go, well, at least it's not me. Thanks, Dad. I love you so much. Love you too. Love you too. Hey, keep those devils over there. Don't come over here. Let's cancel lunch. I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> we just got to back up and be real. Be honest about it. Look, this is a rough patch. This is a rough patch. I was talking to somebody in the oil and gas world uh, last week, and, and he said something uh, really cool. He said, look, we can only control what we can control. So let's control what we can, and we'll just wait for everything else to turn. Look, let's be honest about it. The barrel of oil is in the basement. Can we be honest? Let's be honest. It's in the basement. It's under the basement somewhere. <laughs> it's like in China. <laughs> okay? It's, uh, it, it is, it's, it's, it, it's not doing well. Let's control what we can control. It's going to turn around. Everything's going to be okay. Let's just hang on. Now, it feels like, have you ever been on the Texas Cyclone, anyone? They don't run that thing anymore. I don't like roller coasters. Can't stand roller coasters. 
the Texas Cyclone, raise your hand if you've ever ridden the Texas Cyclone. It's, it was the largest wooden roller coaster in Astro World. God rest Astro World's soul. Uh, <laughs> when you get on that thing, you will never need a chiropractor again. Or, or you'll need one for the rest of your life, depending. I had to pull my teeth out of my throat. And sometimes that's what life feels like. But we can't back up and say there's not a God. We can't back up and say God doesn't love us. We, we got to reason properly. We got we to gotta reason properly. Of course there's a God. Of course there is. Let's, you, you, you gotta, if there's not a God... When did life start? You said the Big Bang. No, 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 no. When did life start? When did the first heart? Well, we came from monkeys. Okay, I'll give you that. Your mother's a monkey. My mom's not a monkey. But <laughs> No, no, no. Let's say we're all... Okay, I'll give you that. We all came from a caterpillar. Okay, we all go... I'll take it all the way back. But when did the caterpillar heart go... Tell me when that happened. It was an explosion. Okay, there was an explosion. I'll give you that. There's fire and bombs and rocks. Where did the heart start going? Boom, 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 boom. There's rocks and lava and fire and a huge firecracker. There's black cats everywhere. Okay, I got it. But when does the heart, the very first heartbeat, boom, 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 boom. If you want to convince me that that came from two rocks crashing together, that takes more faith. That's right. <laughs> right? That takes more faith than there being a God. That's right. My goodness. All right. Let me, what am I talking about over here? Number one is how do we reason? We got to reason properly. Let's keep everything in perspective. And then the second thing is, is that um, Jesus looked back and he said, we, we've got to do this while it is still light. There, there's a reaction. Number two is reaction. Now, for many of you that are clerical, you respond more than you react. I'm going to get to responding in a minute, in a minute. but reacting and responding is not the same thing. They're very, very different. Reacting is driven by emotion. And there are times when we have to respond, react, react. And Jesus is saying this. He goes, look, time is short. We've got to do what we came here to do. Let's, let's do it now. So... Number one was, we, we've got to understand how we reason, but number two, we've got to react. Here's the thing. All of us have worries and concerns. All of us, every single one of us. Sometimes we lay awake at night and we can't fall asleep. Uh, sometimes we think we're sleeping and we're not sleeping. And sometimes we get mad at other people that they're sleeping and we're not. You ever been there? <laughs> Have you ever wanted to call someone and wake them up? Just like, hey, wake up. I'm not sleeping. You're not going to sleep either. <laughs> I'm stressed. You ever had a headache and then you're like, someone else says they got a headache and you're like, sweet. <laughs> you like it when someone else has a headache. Someone else is stressed. You're stressed. It feels good. We all have stresses. 
The reality is, is that the enemy wants to make us so consumed that we're no longer reacting. We're no longer emotionally passionate about what we're running out of time of doing. Here's the reality. Jesus is going to come back very, very soon. He's coming back very soon. The Bible says in a twinkling of an eye, he's going to respond. Everything on the news right now, you can find it in the book of Revelations and in the book of Daniel. Everything on the news. ISIS, all this stuff. It's all the Middle East. It's all Gog and Magog. All of it parallels with the end times. Jesus is coming back very, very soon. So here's my question. And some of you are going to be like, oh boy, you're getting really spiritual. Yeah, I am. Brace yourself. Here it comes. Is there anybody that you're living life with that you're okay with them going to hell? You're okay with it. Because if you're not okay with it, you have got to grab them. Here's the thing. If you do what I cannot do, I'll do with what you're uncomfortable doing. See, I cannot grab your friend and talk to him about the Lord because I don't know them. You're uncomfortable talking about the Lord with them. So if you do what I can't do, I'll do what you're uncomfortable doing. You get them in here. And then I'll do what you're uncomfortable with. Like right now, I'll talk about it. I'll bring it up. I'll talk about the Lord. I'll give them an opportunity to give their life to the Lord. I'll do it. We'll do it together. Because here's the thing. I heard an atheist say this one time. He goes, I do not believe in God. There's no way you can convince me of it. He goes, because nobody has ever talked to me about God my whole life. No one's ever talked to me about the Bible. And nobody's ever talked to me about Jesus. And nobody's ever talked to me about hell. This is as he's an adult. He goes, I'm just now hearing about this as an adult. And he goes, no one hates me so much that they're willing for me to burn in hell. Nobody hates me that much and nobody has ever said anything to me. That's a powerful argument. We have got to be urgent about this. We've got to be urgent. We've got to be urgent. I know your job demands a lot from you. I know as a mom that's incredibly demanding. I know the grass has to be cut every single week and the dishes have to be done 17 times a day. I understand all that. I understand we have responsibilities, but let's not let those distract us from what we have got to react to. There is a need. We've got to react. And that's what Jesus said. He said we've got to do this. We've got to do it now. And he walks up to this person. So the first thing is how we reason, how we react, and then how we respond. Now, responding is different from reacting because responding is very logical. It's not emotionally driven. It's logical. You back up and you think about it. And this man that was blind, he didn't react. Jesus was reacting to the need. But this man, he was responding to what Jesus was doing. He didn't move with his emotion. He moved logically. Watch this. Let me see if I can illustrate it this way. Everybody here, close your eyes. Now imagine, everyone close your eyes. Everybody here, close your eyes. Imagine you're the blind person and Jesus has come up to you and you have been blind your entire life and now he is going to heal you And the next thing you hear is, 
You can look at me now. Everybody knows what that sound means. Here's a man who's blind. Somebody says, Jesus is coming. Jesus, 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 you're going to heal me. Jesus, heal me. <laughs> hold up, hold up, hold on, hold up, oh, oh, oh. Everybody knows what that means. <laughs> now here he is, he's blind, he wants to see, he hears. <laughs> what does he do now? Now, other people... <laughs> Some of you want to laugh really, really hard, and you're holding it in. Other people, Jesus healed like this. Take your bed and rise up. One person, he healed without even looking at him or talking to him. She snuck up on him and touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed. Another person, he just took their hand and pulled him up. But with this guy... How do you respond when Jesus teach, treats you different from everybody else? What do you do when what God is doing with you is completely here? They're getting it. He's got a job. He gets a raise. They won the lottery. This person wins a brand new car just for calling or being caller number nine. Wait a second. What is going on? And the only thing that's happening in your life is... <laughs> Have you ever been there? That's all you hear. <laughs> and you want to say, hold on. I can't see what's going on here, but I'm not in the mood. <laughs> I'm not in the mood. <laughs> So now there are times where we react, where our emotions say, whoa, 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 not here, not here, not here. I, you, no, I am going to drag you to church. I am going to pray until something happens. I'm going to work. There's emotion. There's the, you're emotionally driven. And then there's other times where your emotions will lie to you. Because everything that you see and hear is contrary to what you're hoping for. Now, how do you respond? See, there's sometimes somebody will come into a church. They haven't been in a church in a long time. Something happens, like the greeters don't say hi, or the worship is too loud. It's like, well, I'm out of here. I'm out of here. It's the reasoning. Here's the thing. Whenever Jesus is in your presence, the chances of you knowing what his next step is, is very, very slim. And how he treats you is going to be completely different on how he treats anybody else. And I don't know about you, I'd rather be in the ditch with Jesus than on the mountaintop without him. And so Jesus, if you want to spit, go ahead. Do what you need to do. 
I just know by the time I come out of this, by the time I come out of this, I'm going through hell sideways. I've got spit all over me. I'm muddy. I'm ugly. This whole thing's all messed up. This whole thing is trash. But I just believe by the time I get out of this, and this is how you war. This is by the time I get out of this. By the time I get out of this. I feel like I'm talking to somebody this morning. By the time I get out of this, I'm going to come forth as pure gold. Not because I'm a champion. Not because I'm bold and courageous, not because I've got the character of Moses. No, no, no. Because you are good and you're with me. Because you're good and you're with me. Do you hear? Do you hear the reasoning? Do you hear the reasoning? I don't know what's happening, but you're good and you're with me. I'm going to react because I'm going to worship you, but I'm also going to respond and keep my emotions under control. Do you see it all happening all in parallel, all in unison? What's interesting is the report that this guy gives. He shows up to the Pharisees, which were the leaders of the community. And they said, what, what happened to you? And he says, like a good Texan would. Well, what had happened was <laughs> Jesus made mud. Now, when I read that in the scriptures this week, I started laughing out loud. You ever laugh by yourself? But then you see yourself from outside of yourself, and you're like, you look dumb right now. But I started laughing. started laughing because he left out the detail that the mud was spit. Yep. Isn't that interesting how he left that out? What happened? Well, it was mud right here. Okay. <laughs> Nobody wants to say, all right, I was sitting there, and Jesus went, <laughs> And then he put it in my eye. Nobody wants to say that part. You know why nobody wants to say that part? Because it's embarrassing. It's humiliating. Nobody wants to share the humiliating part of the story. They just want to share the the part of the story that they need to share. And what ends up happening, you know what I've learned about success? When you look at other people's success, there's always a part of the story that you don't know. There's always a part of the story where you look at them and you go, wow, why are they so successful? And they only share parts of the story. Like, for instance, um, I had this buddy of mine that um, he just, we were both young. We're in our early 20s. He's driving around a BMW and I'm in a clunker. I got married. He got married. Allie and I are sharing the clunker. His wife is driving another Seventy thousand dollar car. We're both in our twenties. I'm like, what? And, and I'm like, what? What is going on here? And he's like, God is good. I'm like, yeah, he's good. Clearly, <laughs> clearly he's good. So I mean, I'm just staying faithful. <laughs> I know I'm not perfect, but man, what? God's good. What? <laughs> There's all, just don't ever forget this. With every success, there's always a story under the story. And underneath that particular story is father-in-law inherited like millions of dollars. He's taking care of his daughter and his son-in-law. Well, hey, that's a good piece of information I'd like to have in your report. You know, 
our, our, our church, this church was listed at $4.25 million. We were able to get it when we were um, just turned five years old with 100 people, and that's counting pregnant people twice. So people used to ask all the time, how in the world did your church get, there's only like Research Forest, Woodlands Parkway, Kirkendall, there's only like four or five major roads in the Woodlands. This is a top master plan community. You get a church on one of those roads and you have like a hundred people and you counted the cat because it walked by, that's a hundred. <laughs> how in the world did that happen? You know how tempting it is to go, God is good. All the time, God is good. All the time, God is good. All the time, all the time, God is good. You know how tempting that is? Because what does that do? It kind of pumps us up, doesn't it? Well, here's the rest of the story. The story underneath the story. The, 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 the part that, uh, that was around the time that the housing crisis took place. And you couldn't give houses away. And this church had been sitting here for like a couple years. Nobody was buying anything. It was frozen. Frozen. And nobody's buying anything. No real estate is moving. All realtors are sitting around at like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts. We come along, we're the only people who need a building. It just was perfect. And the price became very manageable. That's the story behind the story. Don't compare yourself to people because you don't know their story. You don't know the prices that was behind that. God loves you just as much as he loves everybody else. They don't get, some people don't get happy marriages and you get bad marriages because they're a certain kind of people and you're a certain, no, 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 no. You don't know the story. This thing is interlocked. And I, here's my suggestion for myself and for us in this room. Let's give glory to God all the time because it encourages other people. Isn't it demotivating if I look at you and go, yeah, God gave us a building because he loves me and you. He doesn't love them. It's demotivating. Do you know what praise does? Paul and Silas were in jail. And they started praising God. And all of a sudden, angels came and opened up the doors. One time there were some people following. The children of Israel were marching around these big high walls called Jericho. Every day they did it. Every day. On the seventh day, they had to do it six times as many times as they did it the previous days. And they just started praising God. And all the walls came down. There was another battle where... God told the children of Israel, this is what I want you to do. There's only 300 of you. I want you to sneak up on these people, the Midianites, sneak up on them. And count to three. And on three, I want everybody to take pictures like pots. I want you to break them together. And I want you, everybody, all 300, I want you to blow a trumpet. And then I want all of you at the same time to light a torch. Now these Midianites were 10,000 deep. Thousands. I think it was way more than that. But just for the... It, it, thousands. You got 300 people. And they're like, now hold on. Run that by me again. Just, let's just trust God. They sneak up on these guys. Why? Two. I can't remember. Do I blow the horn or do I do it? 
is it the, the fire first and then the horn? Or is it the pitcher and then the horn? I can't remember. Shut up. <laughs> shh, shh. Here we go. One. I don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> Got guys laying there with spears and swords. <laughs> Thousands of them. I don't think this is a good idea. Trust me. God told me. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody say, God told me, and you're like, <laughs> you don't want to say, no, he didn't, but you're like, he told you. Trust me, God told me. Right. One Mississippi. <laughs> Two. Three. <laughs> the Midianites jumped up. <sighs> they started stabbing each other. And they're holding the torches and they're like. Are you? Yay, God! <laughs> Do you see what happens when you praise Him? When you praise Him? When you praise Him? When you praise Him? I know it's ugly. We don't like to share our ugly. You know when your testimony are the stories that God has brought you through. All of us feel comfortable sharing certain parts, but not all of it. There are some people nobody will ever know. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Pull my fingernails out. I'm still not telling you. <laughs> Look, let's give God glory because when we give him praise, things happen. So it's very, very important on how we, we reason, how we react, how we respond, and how we report. Now, I want to talk to you very quickly. That's how you attack how you attack the enemy but how do you know the enemy is attacking you number one you have a loss of a spiritual desire you just church you can take it or leave it praying take it or leave it hey every good community needs to have a policeman a fireman a library and a church awesome you just lost spiritual desire. You're not fighting. You're not, you're not reacting to the right things. You're not responding to the right things. You're not reasoning the right way. You're not reporting the right way. No, 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 no. Instead, you could just really care less. When you care less, you just need to know you're not on attack. You're you're being attacked. When you sit in church, and you're like, mm. let me just tell you, I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, but I'm not boring. You may not learn anything, <laughs> but I'm not boring. All right? 
So when you're in the house of God, and I mean this, I'm, I know I'm being cheeky, but when you're in the house of God at any church and you're just like, somebody needs to tell you this and I'm telling it to you with love in my heart. If I step on your toes, I promise you I'm aiming for your heart. You're under attack. Somebody needs to tell you this. You're under attack. When the things of God bore you, you're under attack. Hell is attacking you. Number two, physical fatigue. Some of you may say that's not very spiritual. Absolutely. There was a guy named Elijah who just fought this big battle for the Lord and he won. But he was so physically tired that he went into a depression and even became suicidal. When you're tired, I'm just going to say, in the evening hours, more spiritual warfare is happening than during the daytime because you're tired. When you think negative thoughts about your spouse or your children or God, you know, it, it's, it's oftentimes when you're tired. People who struggle with pornography, it happens at nighttime, not during the daytime. It's when you're tired, your defenses are down. When do alcoholics get plastered? Nighttime. Your defenses are down. Elijah. He wanted to die. He went to a depression. An angel showed up. And he looked at the angel and he said, where have you been? And the angel says, I've got a word from God for you. And he said, thank goodness, what is it? And he said, go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. Then he woke up. He's like, all right, now what does God have to say? He goes, eat something. Now go back to sleep. Read it for yourself. Anytime you're hurt, angry, lonely, or tired, that's an acronym. HALT. Don't make any decisions. Don't say anything. Lock yourself up in your room and put your head on your pillow. Hurt, angry, lonely, or tired. That's why getting eight hours of sleep is so important. Hurt, angry, lonely, or tired. HALT. Number three. Now realize, when I say you're under attack... Have you ever seen those heat tracing missiles? You know what they do? They put a lock on you. Click. And wherever that plane goes, that heat tracing missile is like. It doesn't matter where you go. It's on you. It's on you. It's on you. You're under attack. Number three. You're under attack when there's a lack attack. What's a lack attack? A lack attack is when there are multiple areas of your life where there's a deficiency. You don't have enough money. You don't have, your health is going down. People are getting sick. The kids are sick. You're sick. You don't have a job. People are getting laid off and you're one of them. You're depressed. You're down. All, it, it's not just one or two things. It's like, bump, 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 bump. Have you ever played whack-a-mole? <laughs> it's like you don't have enough hands. It's like, ah! You just need to know this. You're under attack. 
heat-seeking missile. It's on you. Some of you came just to hear me say, it's not you. Hell is dialed in on you. You know, when David had an affair with Bathsheba, Bathsheba was a married woman, the Bible says this, during the season of war, when David should have been out fighting, he stayed home. Do you know what I've missed my whole life? Is It says the season of war. Do you know what that means? That means one nation says to the other nation, we're not going to fight during these seasons, but during these seasons, it's on like Donkey Kong. Now, I've never spent any time in the Middle East. Maybe some of you have. In fact, I know as a fact, many of you have. I don't know if there's certain seasons of the year where dust is bigger sandstorms happen more often but there's some type of mutual agreement we're not going to fight during these seasons but during these seasons oh we're getting after it see what does that tell me there's certain seasons where hell is like it's your turn and we're coming after you and then there's seasons where you get to rest some of you are in rest season right now you got a few problems, but life is going pretty good. Then there's others of us that, hey man, it's more than a few problems. It's a big deal. Heat-seeking missile, you're under attack. Number four, a weakening prayer life. You just, prayer is becoming less and less and less and less and less a part of your life. Used to, some of you, your, your drive all the way to work. That was your prayer time. Used to, some of you would not get into your bed until you get on your knees just for a few moments. You just refused to do it. Used to, it was the first thing you did every morning. It didn't matter how early you had to wake up. If you have to wake up at 3 a.m., so be it. I'm getting up and I'm going to get on my knees. When that begins to go away, you're under attack. Feeling overwhelmed and hopeless. Do you know what I read about frustration? Frustration is when you feel like your efforts aren't going to amount to anything. Number six, old habits and lifestyles begin to resurface. You, fight, you fought with every tooth and nail to get those bad habits out of your life. And somehow or another, they're starting to creep back in. You're under attack. And the very last one, when you begin to pull away from godly relationships, when your closest friends and the majority of your friends are not pursuing God and they're open about it, you're under attack. You're under attack. 